What's going on, Turtle? How you doing today? Oh, man. All is good, Matt. How's everything going this week for you? Yeah, this week could be a bit crazy. Um, so we're one week on from our, our last conversation where you had pulled off a big trade for uh, for Deshaun Watson, and, and things have changed. News has changed a little bit. Maybe some feelings have changed. One week on, how are we feeling about the acquisition? I mean, obviously not great. It was a great trade for me on paper. Yeah, and then your boy Deshaun just has to decide to just be an absolute savage. He's a deviant. He's either a deviant or it's an absolute schmear piece. Who knows? I can't even tell anymore. I really, do. I have no idea. Yeah. So mandatory minicamp is going to be starting soon. It it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. If Roger Goodell steps in and does something like the commissioner exemplist, which he previously, I will say, said he would not do. Just like, hey, we hire, we we subcontracted out a private independent investigator. We're going to leave it up to them. If he steps in and does something, I think that's going to be indicative of public pressure, possibly. If he doesn't do anything and remains status quo, I won't say that's good sign uh, for Watson's outlook, but it's it's at least not worse outside today than it was seven to ten days ago. Yeah. If he comes in and he backtracks and puts him on the exemplist, then it's it's a Calvin Ridley situation almost where it's like, oh, yeah, it might be a year. It might be more with Calvin Ridley. It was a year minimum. And now we're looking at, you know, who knows how open ended with the court system. Yeah, However, it's it's sad. You know why it's sad? Because, you know, like, obviously the guy is a sexual deviant. There's no doubt about it. Like, he absolutely is. But. We have to see what happens and how it plays out because regardless, I do not think that the um, audience, no matter the consequences that are given to him, are going to be happy with it. Yeah. It's a lose-lose. Yeah, there's going to be people who just don't want him associated with the NFL product that they want to come. There's going to be people who don't want to see him in a fantasy league racking up points for some other team and and there's going to be fantasy managers who just won't roster him. There was, uh, you know, AB did crazy stuff, but, but some would say, you know, far less, um, at least in multitude, pretty awful things as well. But there were managers who just said, you know what, I'm not going to roster the guy, but you know, in terms of how it plays out with the NFL is obviously the big, the big news stories here. We should know prior to the season, and we might even know prior to these. Yeah, let me ask you a question. in July. Let me ask you a question about that. I've been meaning to ask you this. So, hypothetically, if I said, hey, I don't want Watson on my team anymore, I dropped him, right? Just let him go. You can't sit here and deny the fact that you wouldn't be the first guy to pick him up as much as you think he's a piece of garbage and he did all of this bad stuff. You would pick him up, would you not? Honestly, if I'm being completely and perfectly honest with you, I would not submit a claim for how could you not though in a situation where it's he hasn't been charged and the criminal case has gotten thrown away so i don't that's where that's where it's so hard to understand that all these people are coming after his throat probably for good reason but in our court system it should be innocent until proven guilty when that is the complete opposite of what's happening to deshaun whether he's in the right or wrong obviously he's in the wrong but yeah i mean it's it's personal preference. I I 
I don't believe you. I don't believe. I don't. I just don't. I can't believe that because you know how much you love fantasy football and you do anything to win. You wouldn't if you knew that Deshaun Watson was playing a full 16 games, even if he was suspended uh, 17 games, even if he was suspended for six of them. Doesn't that make your team that much better in the long run? I mean, we like meatloaf on the show, right? And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll do anything to win, but I won't do that. Wow. I, I don't, I just don't believe it. I, just, I, I can't. I, I can't. I also come from a position where I'm rostering Herbert and Dak in uh, Superflex, and I can afford to 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 not trade my conscience for uh, fantasy wins because incrementally. I mean, he's definitely not a good guy, but he's going to help people win fantasy football if he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's going to help Cleveland win games if he's on the field. It's just we'll see if he's on the field and if he. I should do All a right, social so- experiment and drop him. <laughs> Well, uh, we before you do that, we should put in, and if other leagues are thinking of doing the same, there should be some put out that it's like, he's persona non grata, no one can pick him up, it's not someone else should benefit if someone makes a, de- a decision like that. So, anyways, maybe some less heavy stuff, or, or maybe this is going to be even heavier, because there's going to be eight guys that we talk about stock down, and that might ruffle some feathers more than speculating on a uh, potential suspension for an NFL player. But hopefully we balance that out. We're going to have eight players stock up. This week, we're talking NFC South, so we'll be stepping through the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four up and four down from each team, and as we always do, Turtle, I'm going to kick it over with what team do we want to start with. Let's start with the Panthers, because I genuinely think they might be the worst team in that division, even though two. I'll tell you what, I, I, when I was putting my notes together, I got to the Panthers, and I was looking at their offensive depth chart, and I didn't want to do the activity anymore, (laughs) uh, because I could not, like, it was, it was... It was humiliating trying to t- determine an argument for a player's stock up. It's like, I, this is, no matter who I pick and what argument that I want to lay out for this player, like, it's going to look like total, like, fl- it's going to be like they got uh, a participation medal just because their team happens to be a NFL team, right? It, it's it's humiliating for, for a player on this team to be associated with stock up because, in reality, I don't think there's a stock up. But let's see if you change my mind. Turtle, why don't you give us who your guy is? Yeah, it was hard not to pick Christian McCaffrey, so I didn't. I actually went with DJ Moore, and it really pains me to say that. And the reason being is because if CMC can remain healthy, I think DJ Moore does get a boost. Okay. I think that he's going to really open up the field. I think CMC will really open up the field for uh, DJ. Even with the horrendous quarterback play, and I don't think that there will be a good quarterback on that team, regardless of if it's Darnold or Matt Corral. The thing with DJ is he's pretty consistent. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons. He is allergic to the end zone, in quotations, because the most touchdowns he's ever scored in a season are four. But I do believe he still has a breakout on the horizon. It might not be right away. It might not even be this year, but if there is a chance of anyone on that team to break out that isn't named Christian McCaffrey, it has got to be DJ Moore. There's no one else. There is no one else that I could even put in that conversation. Yeah, so even these past two years when CMC was unhealthy, DJ Moore topped out 
at uh, under 1,200 yards both years, one around yes. 1,150, one a little 1,200, like you said, the four touchdowns each year. The last year where CMC was actually healthy was DJ Moore's sophomore season. So maybe too much on the year two players' shoulders to, you know, really be a parallel to your point of, you know, more look like when he's not the main target of, mm-hmm. of a defense. But those seasons look very much like the Christian McCaffrey hurt seasons where he was a bit under 1,200 and four touchdowns. So he's definitely improved, um, you would think, as, even though it doesn't show up in the box score. You would think year over year there's improvement. He's not stuck in his whatever he peaked at in his season. You'd like to think incrementally there's working in his favor. And, yeah, maybe maybe this is the season where CMC stays healthy and there's something else to, at, at play for, for Newton. The eternal problem for him has been quarterback play. And I think that's going to continue to be a problem unless and they I go. Think it's going to continue, yeah. Yeah, it will. I mean, there's always the likelihood or the always the chance that the Panthers do eventually go after Baker Mayfield um, or even Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. which would completely upgrade him. Because as we saw from last year, Sam Darnold just isn't the answer. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the show. I think we will. I really think we will. All right, my, my stock up. This is going to be, as I said, doesn't really deserve it. But this is, as again, looking at the depth chart, this is who I came up with. And it is my boy, Tommy Tremble. That's, and, and, that's, I'm just, wow. and all I'm saying, his stock, higher as we sit here in early June, than it was at the beginning of the offseason. And and the only reason I can say why is they did absolutely nothing on the offensive side of the ball. He is no longer a rookie, one further year into the system. Specifically, they did absolutely nothing at his skill. So it's not like they grabbed a whole bunch of new offensive weapons to steal targets. There's not like they brought in any veteran body, like a Jared Cook or something, who's going to slot above him. I, I mean, I just see when I look at his film, he's uber athletic. He and his positional advantage is truly he is a world class blocker. He like the way he plays the game. If you watch him block, it's very George Kittle esque, where he's so good at it, he's going to be on the field. So. To me, that's the first step in terms of being able to do anything on the offensive side of the ball is you first need a warrant to be between the hash marks. If you are on the field, then you can, okay, catch passes, break a long run, do something that's going to keep... His blocking is going to have him there. He is also, when you look at the depth chart, he's the pass-catching tight end as well. So when I talk about stock up, this is one of the... Yeah, what was a penny stock yesterday is maybe two pennies today. But when I looked around the depth chart and and was trying to convince myself of who is realistically up, this is the one I came up with. One, because it's a young guy who looks good on film. His skill set's going to keep him on the field. And um, they did nothing to really take anything away or take him off the field from an off-season signing or draft position. Do I recommend you go out and, and... He's obviously off the board in redraft. Do I honestly recommend you go pick him up in Dynasty? If you don't have a third tight end and you can afford to drop another position, yeah, I think it's good. If you already have three tight ends that you're comfortable with, probably he's still a no. But 
I mean, there's 32 tight tight ends. Most leagues have have um, 12 teams. If everyone's rostering three tight ends, that's 36. I deserve he deserves to be rostered at least within one of those teams. Someone's wide receiver, and and maybe you catch a little something interesting, but. I mean, there's not much here to work with, Turtle. I'm sorry for pumping up my boy Tommy Tremble, but it's the Carolina Panthers we're talking about. Yeah, you don't even have Tommy Tremble rostered anymore. So, I mean, it, it is what it is, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, but that goes to show that even with the Tommy Tremble stock up, he's still not a guy that many players or many fantasy owners are even rostering. I yeah. do agree. He's like the same type of uh, situation as like uh, Daniel Bellinger. In my- a little bit of news comes out for Daniel Bellinger on the Giants, and then all of a sudden everyone starts picking him up. I don't know if even that many people know about Tommy Trembley, but he is the tight end one on the Panthers, which is crazy yeah. to think. I mean, it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting, but uh, he's super young, if I if I, re- if I recall, too. Yeah, like, he's 21. 21 yeah. So it's like there's, there's room. For me, personally, I chose to roster Brevin Jordan over him, so that's kind of giving the listeners... My cutoff point for him is like, you know, I prefer Jordan over him. And that really comes down to the quarterback situation. They're both on crap teams, but I like, yeah. I'll throw my stock, I'll throw my bet on Davis Mills over Sam, Sam Darnold and Cubby. Stock down, speaking of Sam Darnold, is he your stock down player? Yes. Okay, mine too. Why don't you go first? Well, I mean, the first question we all have to ask ourselves is is Sam Darnold actually even the starting quarterback for the Carolina? I think that's a good question. I mean, if he is, they certainly didn't give much confidence in him when they went out and drafted Matt Corral at, at the 330. This past exactly. And, and if he is, if he is the Panthers quarterback, that whole team gets a large downgrade, further downgrade from what they already have. If that I can mean, even be possible. Yeah. And, and here's what I'm saying. Here's what I want to say is they constantly this offseason tried to make a move there. And I mean, it started with Deshaun Watson, or I don't know if I take that back. I don't know if it was started or he was one of the many because they were in play for uh, Baker for a while before there was the whole riff there, before Watson landed there. They've been connected to Jimmy G. They were connected to Deshaun Watson. I don't know if they were in play for Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan, but but every single alley, avenue, they navigated and came up you know, snake eyes each and every time. So they're they're clearly not happy with what No, and Matt Darnold is one ghost away from never having an NFL job again. Yeah, and I don't think we can say that they're done exploring avenues this offseason. So I don't think they're done. We're sitting here in June, and, you know, Turtle, we're, we're persevering to, you know, make these stock up, stop, stock down as close to evergreen for this offseason as, as possible. We know that news is going to change, injuries are going to happen, and someone that we say stock down is is going to be hurt, and obviously it's, it's not good. It's for this point in time. But we're also trying to project a little bit forward as well, and it's worth saying here sitting in June that you can't look at, at – the Panthers and, and think that they're done trying to change the quarterback room before it, it gets the support. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, for all those reasons, I'm out. I, I've been out. I just don't even know. It, it's it's a little it's a little suspect that he's the starting quarterback for an NFL franchise. I mean, he's kind of in that same category as like Daniel Jones, who just like he keeps getting chances even though he hasn't really proven anything. Yeah. And, you know, like, 
I'm not trying to say that they they shouldn't deserve a chance, but when you know what you got, you got to move on. It's the gift and the curse of being a high first round draft pick in the modern NFL. Yeah, you get chance after chance after chance. I mean, we see Mitch Trubisky spend one year on the sideline and get a starting gig the next year. It's someone's trash is going to be someone else's trash. Uh, it, it, once you start flaming out at the top of the top of the first round, you're going to stick around the NFL just based on that alone. Which is unfortunate for us as fantasy managers because in a dynasty league, Sam Darnold absolutely has to be rostered by someone, but I don't want to be that guy because he's viewed as essentially a roster clogger to me. He's going to be someone with extreme short-term value and low short-term value at that before uh, that value could, could conceivably plummet to zero before we even get to one of the football seasons. Who would you rather roster? Would you rather roster Geno Smith, who's another huge question mark, or Sam Darnold? I would rather roster Geno. That, yeah, that's very telling. Then very. I think he could. I think he could uh, play a full season and in a super flex league. I'll take that over someone who I think could play four games, six games, or or not even play one game. That's just me. All right. So how about the Atlanta Falcons? We kind of. Double team Sam Darnold there. So um, it'll start be one, it off, Matt. One stock player down. Yeah. So let me start it off then. My Atlanta Falcons stock up. This was another one that was tough. This was real tough to, to really pinpoint someone who was stock up. But I tried my best here. Tyler L. G- I'm going to be mispronouncing that until I hear the announcers say it on, on one fine football Sunday. And that was right. September. You said it perfectly fine. All right. So Tyler Algier. I mean, talk about a productive college running back these past two years. In 2020, he went for 150 carries, 1,130 yards, and 13 touchdowns, which is a fine season in of itself. Um, On BYU, he was a converted linebacker. The interesting thing about a running back who was converted from linebacker is uh, Javante Williams, similar mold. Similar backstory in his history as a, as a young football player. And Javante Williams credited a lot of his success as a running back to deeply understanding the, how the defense works for, from playing on that side of the ball. Algier kind of echoed those comments in the lead-up to the draft in one article that I was, I was reading um, you know, earlier this offseason. And his 2021 line certainly reflected that. He, he exploded onto the scene for 275 carries, 1,601 yards, and a really, really whopping 23 rushing touchdowns. So the guy can run the ball. He's big, quick, once he can get the acceleration up. But um, when you look at the Atlanta Falcons' backfield, that's really the backfield that all Brees Hall were really hoping he fell into. It's wide open, man. you got only old men. Old men only, right? You got the pickleball elites in that backfield. <laughs> with, with Cordero Patterson at 31 and Damian Williams at 30, at least on ESPN, ahead of him on the depth chart. And, and I really don't see that as a firm grip in terms of them being ahead. I, I think their grip would be fairly tenuous. I, I think they got a loose grip at best. So when I look at... at Tyler Algier, I, I see a player who, he went in the fifth round, eighth pick, uh, 508 to Atlanta. 
the 50th offensive player off the board this past draft. And I see him as someone who can, he chewed over that. I, I really think, whether it be by injury, because that's what happens to old men playing a young man's game, or you know just getting him on the field or him winning it outright, he could have uh, a, a pretty good impact in the second half of this season. So for me, Tyler Algier, when I, I see what happened, see what the moves that they made, they went out and I think signed Jeremy McNichols or something recently. It's like it's all pointing to just put the chips on the young guy, and uh, it's a low cost to pay, and I think he overshoots that cost. I like that. Appreciate you're not gonna like you're not gonna like mine then, because mine mine is Kyle Pitts, and it's only for dynasty purposes. It's not that I think that he's gonna surpass his ADP. It's not that I think that he's gonna absolutely be dominant and finish as the tight end one. But I just think that. Kyle Pitts has such a huge value for dynasty rosters that he's somebody that stock has to continue to climb year after year. Last year, he surpassed the 1,000-yard mark in his rookie year, which is next near impossible. I think the only other tight end to ever do it in recent years was Gronkowski, correct? I don't even know if Gronk completely honest. I think Gronk might have done it. I'm pretty sure Gronk did it. Okay. I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I'm not I'm not 100% positive, but I'm pretty sure he's the only other tight end to do that. So in his rookie season, he finished 3rd among tight ends in receiving yards, which is a feat in itself. He was allergic to the end zone. He the only the only touchdown that he did get was at the London game, which actually makes sense why they drafted Drake London. They're trying to just keep his Yeah, they're trying to just keep him going. But I just see a huge positive regression in yards and touchdowns this year, even if Mariota or Riddler don't have the best years, just because I think that they're going to have to force feed him in the red zone. Hopefully they're there because of Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier and old man Patterson. But I just think that he's just such a valuable dynasty asset that he's just going to continue to rise. That's really it. Yeah. So Gronkowski didn't do it. It was Mike Ditka. Okay. And that was 60 years ago. And I remember that touchdown game because I was facing Kyle Pitts that week. And uh, I was like, yeah, like this guy, he goes out there and I think had his best game in London there. So I like it. I I like the the Drake-London connection um, (laughs) to to the one really pop week that he had. Now, you're going to hate my stock down player because it's Kyle Pitts. Nice. I like it. <laughs> I want to hear why. It's not way down. It's not way down, but it is down year over year to me. Now, first and foremost, he's a pass catcher. So who's he catching passes from? To me, it's a year over year QB downgrade going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota slash Desmond Ritter. I presume they'll they'll be splitting time in what split that is, 70-30, I don't know. I imagine both make starts, and I imagine that's not great for the pass catchers. Now, the other guy you brought up, Drake London, that's going to be the best pass-catching competition he had in his young career. I mean, Russell Gage was probably the best wide receiver last year. I'd imagine Drake London going at the checks notes 108 in first offensive player off the board this past draft is leaps and bounds better than Russell Gage, and they're going to get him the ball accordingly. So there's going to be some pass-catching competitions there. There could be a slight argument to, hey, there's a better player that's more defensive uh, focus off of pits. Sure, I, I mean, I can buy into that too, but I, I don't think that necessarily 
helps him more than a guy who could walk on and get 100 targets out, out of the gate or north of 100 targets realistically when you look at the depth chart. I mean, I'm going to throw this out there, but it's certainly, certainly to a lesser extent. The uh, Falcons went out and they made a move for Brian Edwards. That was a trade. So they saw something that they liked. And, and I mean, he's not uh, whatever he's been compared to, the next Terrell Owens and all that. But when teams trade for players, and I harp on this nearly every episode, uh, trade up in a draft, trade for a player, it signals that the current regime wanted that player for uh, a reason, so they're going to use him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's again, it's not it's not huge, but but those two players are probably the the most target competition that he's going to have. Now, when it comes down to stock down, I'd express that what I would expect for him output wise this year is probably going to be very similar to last year, uh, maybe in or around a thousand yards, possibly below it uh, because of the target competition. But I'd expect some. TD um, regression in the positive direction. Generally, people who get a thousand yards receiving have more than a single TD. So we'll have to see if that changes. I'd expect it to. But in terms of what was expected of him after the season from year one to year two to where we are now, looking at what they've done in free agency and what they did during the draft, particularly at the quarterback position, which to me is the crux of it all. It's it's that's more important than. Uh, Drake London walking in the building. That's more important than Brian Edwards being poor. It's really, if Matt Ryan was there and those weapons came across, I like it better. The continuity, all of that. The fact that it's now a backup QB who doesn't look that good and a rookie. I mean, it's in Dynasty, nothing changes in terms of your outlook, really. But in terms of year-over-year production, I'm not expecting that we're going to see that spike so for that reason based on the parts around him and the supporting and the competition for me he was a year-over-year stock down nice you remember uh delaney walker i do marcus mariota made delaney walker's career i know Uh, so we'll see apparently he likes his tight ends he likes his tight ends that's what i'm getting at so we'll see what happens i agree with you though it's it's tough to uh it's tough to put a stock up for a player who's kind of already at the top, just kind of like similar to Jonathan Taylor. Like he's got really no in the yeah, community. And, and, Pitts is per- the cream of the crop for the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, I remember Delaney Walker, but I also remember Matt Ryan. And when I look at his stats versus Marcus Mariota's, I oh definitely kind of scoff at Marcus Mariota and his well, of course, uh, of course. So, all right. So, what about you, Turtle? First stock down, it's Cordero Patterson. Okay, old man, old man, old man. And the the reason why is because CPAT did something completely unprecedented last year. He had a ninth year breakout at a position that he's literally never played in the NFL. Crazy, crazy, crazy season. The only thing I could say about it is that's a that's a true outlier, and it's going to be next near impossible to repeat. From weeks one through fourteen, he was running back seven. And the good thing with him was that he had the running back and wide receiver tag, so he was such a great asset last year. I don't know if Sleeper has yet to change that, if he still got the the, the dual tags, because that is a big benefit. I but think he does. I think he, he, does, he does. does. But, I mean, I just don't see him replicating even close to what he did last season. It just doesn't seem like a sustainable position for the man. Plus, he's 31, so he's really on the tail end of his career. 
And then you already spoke about Tyler Algier, how you think that he's going to step in and have an immediate impact and have a really good role. So I just can't see Cordero Patterson do anything close to what he did last year. So for that reason, his stock is down. Yep. Yep. I'm checking right now. Turtle still has it. RB, comma, wide receiver in sleeper. So, I mean, he's he's cool. He's got that dual flexibility, the yeah. kind of flexibility every Debo owner would love to see that I've been saying is not going to happen. It's not going to. But it's hard to think that he's going to be able to repeat. Yeah, I mean, we saw what he did at the end of the last year. Like, he just started to burn he out. faded big. Yeah, and actually, it was crazy. My neighbor was telling me, yeah, he's going to fade out, and I just kept arguing against it with him, like, all last year, just because we, we were in the same dynasty league as well. But he was completely right, and I'll give him that. I'll give him that shout-out. He was completely right, and uh, I'll take that loss. I said that Patterson was going to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a heavy L to hang around the neck because of the time of the season it happened. It's like, you... At that, at the beginning of the season, how many times were you actually playing him realistically if you had him? Because, you know, the week one you certainly didn't, and then it's like, oh, you know, what is that? Is it a fluke? Really is it a fluke? Yeah, yeah. So you, everyone, no, two, it just week three, maybe exactly. not. Exactly. Like you started to buy into him and maybe get a few good weeks, and you're like, holy crap, I got a diamond in the rough, and then all of a sudden. As many had thought, the the rug was pulled out from under them, and and, and you you found that the floor or the fall down to the floor was uh, was was a pretty far one and a pretty rough one. So I think he probably transitions to, I don't know, like a, a Gabe Davis of the past few years where it's like he's going to have a few weeks of 15-plus points, but it's going to be like three to four of them. You're not going to be able to really predict them. And there's going to be a hell of a lot of weeks where it's kind of like the end of last season. He gets plenty of run, but it's ineffective. Uh, maybe defenses have kind of figured out a whole offseason, figured out, okay, here's how we defend him. And uh, they rely on the the newer, younger weapons, right? Drake London wasn't there last year. Tyler Algier wasn't there last year. Mike Davis was was a bum. bum. So 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 he got he got a lot of run. I, I like it. I, I, I don't think I don't think owners should expect or depend on him to do much, despite the kind of cool of being able to play a potential wide receiver who's catching four to five balls a week in the running back position yeah he'll he'll have his spike weeks he definitely will have his spike weeks but just not going to happen every week and i i'd actually be super curious to see what people were paying for him last year towards like the middle to the end of the season because i'm sure people were dulling out big 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 cash big cash in our league he was traded for a 2022 second rounder in Robbie Anderson, mm-hmm. I mean that's that that's kind of a lot. That was an off season trade. That was um, in the lead up up to the draft. So even after those, uh, before that, he was along with Adam Thielen for Robert Woods. That one's kind of hard to unwind. It's a it's a B year old wide receiver. So anyway, second round pick value. I don't know. I pr- probably prefer the second at this point. Of course. All right, next uh, next team up, let's talk the Saints. Let's talk stock up. Who do you got? I got none other, none other than Famous Jameis, a.k.a. Crab Legs. Okay. And I'll tell you what, and this is going to not intentionally balance out the Kyle Pitts take, but I also have Jameis Winston. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's close. I think Jameis, when you look at this depth chart, 
far and away the biggest winner. And year over year, stock is maybe doubled um, than what it was last year. But go ahead. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Jameis is only 28 years old. I mean, we know he's coming off of an ACL injury, so he still probably has some time to heal up. There's plenty of time before the season starts, but if you really do look at the Saints' current depth chart, it's pretty, pretty great. They drafted Olave. They have Michael Thomas, and I say that kind of, you know, begrudgingly because I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. And then they got Landry. So, I mean, they got three big dog wide receivers that can make a big impact. Now they also are transferring Taysom Hill to tight end, and they have Troutman. We'll see what's the deal with Kamara, but I just like the weapons that Jameis has around him, and and we know what Jameis can do when he gets a full season in. I mean, he's a five thousand yard a, a year passer when he's full. I just like to see that you know they're giving him another opportunity. He signed a two year contract, and I just think the sky's the limit for Jameis as long as he can stay healthy. I think he's a dark horse to really lead the NFL in passing. Um, and I, I did see an article that was saying that that's the most popular bet right now because it's like plus 4,000, which is pretty crazy. So I just like Jameis uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, you got to acknowledge, and I'll, I'll do it off the top here, a lot hinges on the Michael Thomas health and the Alvin Kamara potential suspension. Yes. However... Sitting here in June, those guys are projected to be ready to roll. Who knows about, based on what we've seen the past few years, what, what, what's progressing with Dalvin Cook and his issues. It sounds like things might just get intentionally pushed by the lawyers to be handled in the offseason. Oh, with Kamari, mean? With Kamari, you mean? With, I'm talking Kamara and Cook similarly. So, so there oh, was a report by a Minnesota beat writer because Dalvin has this, you know, beating or battery charge hanging over his head. Mm. And it sounded like the beat writer in Minnesota had some insider info that the lawyers are going to be pushing and pushing and pushing his court date um, continually out beyond this 2022 NFL season. Mm. And with that said, and the recent stance that, Roger Goodell in the front office has taken of, of not making a ruling until the court system has played out uh, in terms of suspension on, on the NFL side of things. Cook, at least in 2022, according to this report that I was, uh, I was listening to, sounded like he was in the clear. Now, Alvin Kamara has a court date set for this summer. His, I don't know if his lawyers, there's been nothing to indicate that they're following the same strategy, but if they do, and he plays a full season, then, I mean, it's wheels up for, for Jameis all the more. Uh, but even if he's suspended, I still think there's enough weapons year over year of improvement. When I, when I look at it, I think they're superb. I think Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Olave, compared to what they had last year, I mean, their top wide receiver, Marquez Callaway, is now what? The wide receiver four? He's, yes. He's, like year over year, it's it's crazy change. I still don't want to give up on on Troutman. I won't do it. I still, I don't think he's got top ten potential, but I think he's a good pass catching tight end. I think it's a good weapon to have. You got maybe the best pass catcher out of the backfield, him or Eckler. You know, right up there with the best pass catching running back. And you know, I just love Jameis in all formats, and it it really boils down to those weapons looking. So, so superb on paper. If if Alvin Kamara is 
you know, legal team is listening to this, call up Dalvin Cook's lawyers, figure out how to get Alvin Kamara to play this entire 2020. Because we're waiting for Jameis to wheels up, take us to the moon uh, with just some really, really great quarterback play, having all these new weapons at his disposal. He's my clear, clear stock up guy from the new. Yeah, and I'm going to need him personally this year because especially with all this crazy stuff going on with Win- uh, Watson. Oh, sure. I might sure. as well just name my team Winston and Watson. Yeah. Stock up. St- talk about stock up, stock down with, yeah. your, with your WQBs there. Yep. It's crazy. All right. On the other side of the ball, uh, I'll continue it. It's the guy I talked about mm, with the legal issues. It's Alvin Kamara stocked down for me. Mm. Now, why is he stocked down year over year? Uh, if you have been to the website, DynastyDrama.com, that's a, that's a shameless plug. We had um, a contributing writer over in the Contributors Corner section of the website wrote a really great article on running back decline. And he went back uh, years and years, I think 2015, and looked at running back performance and when it started to decline historically. Now, all running backs are made different. However, what we, he saw the trend to be was running backs peaked at their age 26 season, and then they continued to decline from there. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not usable running backs at age 27, so to speak. But what they achieved in their age 26 season or younger was no longer achievable. This was essentially the conclusion of a study, backed up by data, um, fact-checked, all that stuff. It was, it was well-written piece. Now, Alvin Kamara is part of this crop of running backs who is essentially aging out of their peak. By the time the season starts, he's going to be 27. So he is in that post-peak production phase of his career. He also, as I said, he's got the legal case hanging over his head. I think with all expectations, we as a fantasy community should expect at least three-plus games if a suspension is handed down at some point this season. And why I'm throwing the plus in there, other than him clearly being an aggressor, getting arrested, there's really no contention. There is, unfortunately, or fortunately in this case, depending on which way you look at it, being like you want justice or you want Alvin Kamara, there is, uh, there's video of this incident of him you know, laying the, the whoop down on yep. this guy. In, uh, in Vegas. So video historically has not helped any of these battery charges. It's, uh, it's really the nail in the coffin for, for when that leaks online and, and forces the NFL to force their hands uh, to, to make a, a decision and usually a harsh decision. So for me, it's, it's a little bit like those two things. And then when we think back to Winston, to me, this is a team that clearly has made offseason and getting Michael Thomas back helps a little bit in this card. But this is a team that looks like they want to throw the ball. I mean, they drafted a wide receiver high. They went out, they got Landry. You got Michael Thomas. I mean, those those are the weapons on this team. The running back is not going to be the team. You got Jameis Winston that they, they gave a contract to, right? So to me, this is a team that wants to throw the ball. Sure, Alvin Kamara is a good pass-catching uh, running back, but not only is he aging out a little bit for the position, how many games is he actually going to be on the field to be able to catch balls? For me, I look at this, he's he's stocked down 
Unfortunately, because I, I like the player a lot, I was the benefit of his Christmas game uh, in 2020. So I, I like him, but, you know, feelings aside, he's he's stocked down. Like, there's no doubt in my mind about it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so crazy to see, like, some of these running backs who we had on our teams a few years ago now are all turning 20. It's so crazy. They, it just, the, the time flies. It's a yeah, huge it's, it's all the top dogs. It's all the top dogs. It's, it's Dalvin, Alvin. Yeah, it's the big boys. It's it's crazy. Zeke, Zeke yeah. yeah. Zeke. I know. It's um, it's wild. Even Eckler. Even Eckler's Eckler. about to turn 27. Eckler's old. James Conner is getting up there. Derrick yep. Henry's already shoot shot past that. I mean, Fournette too. I mean, Fournette, those guys are all. Those guys are. Yeah, Fournette's already twenty seven. What it's a running crazy. back class! What a freaking running back class that was. Yeah, you gotta hope that we get something like that here in the near future. It's looking like twenty twenty three. A whole bunch of running backs. We so. need running backs because honestly, these guys are aging out. And yeah, I like to have fun on Sundays watching a lot of points scored. I don't want to see. These guys just keeping their jobs because there's no young bucks pushing them out of the league and they're just getting jobs off of names, name recognition, and we just got, you know, 10 to 17 point ball games. Yeah, you're right. I, I want, you know, Bijan and Jamar Gibbs just running up the score, you know, just popping. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Well, my faller, and I was already made fun of this uh in our league chat because i was talking about it prior to uh us coming on the pod was yep saw that it's michael thomas and the guy said to me he's like how can michael thomas be a faller if he hasn't played in two years and that's the answer to the question he hasn't played football competitively in two years so how could i how could i honestly put his stock up as a riser when the guy hasn't been on the field since 2019 it's tough i mean mean, there was one voice of support in that league chat and it said hey go look at the players who have taken two years off of professional football and how they do when they return it doesn't look pretty no it does not but until i see that headline saying michael thomas is cleared fully to participate with the team i will keep tempering my expectations on the man i know that there's a lot of instagram stories of him running in gyms and running on turf fields but that doesn't mean that he's healthy enough to be in football shape and ready to take a hit from one of these crazy middle linebackers. So for me, Michael Thomas is the definition of risk reward. He could be one of the highest upside players in 2022 if he can get cleared to be on the field. But I think that he's still got this lingering ankle injury, and I think it's really tough to trust him right now. Yeah. So for that reason, I just got to make sure that his stock is down because Jarvis Landry's healthy. Chris Olave is a rookie, so he's got he's got wheels under him. He's ready to go. Yep. And these guys are probably already uh, establishing a relationship with Jameis, who's also not healthy, but at least Jameis is participating in practices and he's getting out there and he's throwing the ball. He might be limping a little, but he's out there. I can't say the same for Michael Thomas, so that's, that's why he's down. That's limp, limp. That's limp. That's limp. Watts. Winston. Limp Watson. Winston. 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 <laughs> well, it's limp. Both of them are pretty limp dogs. Yeah, yeah. one one's limp for another reason. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I got burned last year by Thomas and redraft. I thought I was the uh, the sneaky guy taking him in the eighth round. The guy just didn't do diddly for me. Nope. Um, I'm salty on him. He's a guy that I'm happy. There's those guys who some people have conviction of, other people are are polar opposites. It's not like an 
it's not a consensus. There, there's, there's guys, there's guys who, if they stand on the wrong side of things, it's, it, they, they really can't hold a candle to the counter arguments. It's like if you tried to say like Jonathan Taylor's not good, yep. Najee Harris isn't isn't a good dynasty. Like it's like to be on the opposite side, it doesn't even make sense, right? No. But then there's other guys like like Thomas or a guy coming back from injury who it's like you you have fierce parties on both sides of the camps. Those are interesting arguments. Some of them I have clear conviction on. This is one where I'm 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 happy just being on the sidelines and, and watching how it plays out and not having any shock and, and possibly getting burnt by holding some shares. Yeah, I agree with you. And and the crazy thing about Michael Thomas is his target share before he got injured was like thirty three percent, which is a huge number. With all with all these weapons on the field now, there's no chance that he will ever touch those numbers again. Yeah, I mean, and to me, that's not even the thing. To me, he was getting targets from Drew freaking Brees. Yeah. That's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, you're and right. You're I right, just you're pumped right. up Jameis Winston, but we're at very different parts of these guys' careers. At the, at when Michael Thomas was accelerating, Drew Brees was in decline. His arm was in decline. It was like on the on par with Ben Roethlisberger in terms of arm strength. Jameis yeah. is going to be looking to. He's not going to be looking for easy check down slants, stuff like that. He's a guy who likes to throw. And if you're a coach, you're going to take advantage of arm strength when people have it because that's what everyone talks about. That's how Josh Allen got drafted was based on arm strength. It's like, hey, let's let's refine this, but he's got the intangibles. Winston has all the arm strength in the world from going 101 in the draft. It's crazy to think he went 101 in the NFL draft. But he's on a very different part of his career in terms of where Drew Brees was. And they're different talents all uh, together. One has accuracy to hit those short slants right where they need to be and not get picked off. And one has more arm strength and less accuracy. But anyways, let's move on. So uh, we're not running too long here today, Turtle. Tampa Bay, stock up. Who you got? I have Mike Evans, believe it or not. He was my guy, uh, but I went a different direction at the very last minute. Okay. I love the Mike Evans pick, though. Tell us about it. I, I just think Mike Evans gets an instant boost with Chris Godwin still recovering from his ACL surgery. Sure. Last year was his eighth consecutive 1,000-yard season, so he really is. I know I say model of consistency quite often on this show. He truly is a model of consistency. Like You can't argue that. He is as consistent as they get for wide receivers. He has to be a Hall of Famer in my, in my book. Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's that's just that's just proving to the league that like it doesn't matter. I will catch the ball wherever it is on the field. I will I will make a play and I will get mine. So that's great. But the the other thing is that with Chris Godwin on the field, he only saw a sixteen percent target share last year, which I didn't think was big enough. I I think that that's not big enough. So I think that that number will definitely increase until Godwin comes back. And then Tampa has an extremely easy schedule this year. So he should be feasting with Brady. So I think that he is the benefactor of all of those missed Godwin targets until Godwin returns. And then I think it goes back to more of a normal target share and route tree. But I think I think Mike Evans is going to be able to do some damage this year. Yeah, I, I love Mike Evans in all formats. I, I'll take him in Dynasty. He's a bit older. I think he's in his age 28. Yeah, he's 28. Season. But, I mean, give me give me him as 
If he's my wide receiver two, love it. This year, I think he's fine as a wide receiver one on a team. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I do too. I think he's going to be fine. Like, I mean, he's got the best best quarterback in the world throwing to him. I, I mean, next year is going to be a different story, and I think that I'll touch on that later in the show. But once Brady's gone, I think that a lot of those guys' is, uh, values dip down. Yeah, so for me, stock up. I, this is a huge risk to me as as the person delivering this information. You know, there's some, I, I'm going to put a little bit of the reputation on the line with calling the shot here. And I'm not even sure if this is, this is a valid selection. But to me, when, not if, when Rob Gronkowski resigns, he is going to be absolutely here. And, and to, like you said, it's going to be Evans and it's going to be Gronk. And they're going to get everything in that offense. Last year, Rob Gronkowski, he had some broken ribs. He was out for a stretch. Um, I'll get you those exact number of games out in a moment. But he was the tight end three in terms of fantasy points per game. Uh, we play tight end premium, so that's a full point per reception as opposed to a half point reception for every other position. Uh, third only to Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. In his per-game statistics, he had, let's see, here. the zeros are one, two, three, four, five, six games where he missed via the injury on a 17-game season. Of the 11 that he played, there were only two disappointing weeks. So nine out of 11 games, you really, really loved what you got from him. Or I should say you loved what you got from him. On two of those weeks where it was around 10 and 11 points, everything else above that, 20, 18, 20.7, 18.5, 21.8, 19.1, 29. This is a guy who, with Antonio Brown there, with Chris Godwin there, with Mike Evans there, dominated because of his you know cerebral connection with Tom Brady. Now you have Antonio Brown gone. You have Chris Godwin, question mark. Is he going to be pupped? Is he not? The guy that they bring in, Russell Gage, already hurt this offseason. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm saying either Chris Evans is going to be the best goddamn wide receiver or Gronk's going to go in there, and he's going to be able to eat as much as he can handle because they don't gut anybody else. So to me, put pen to paper, and you have a huge stock up candidate uh, that's going to come to fruition. Like I said, is it a valid pick? Turtle, you tell me, because he's not technically a player on the roster, but how this offseason played out, based on who is on the roster, I see him walking on as the number two option in that passing game. I mean, I think he'd be silly not to come back and play with Brady for, I would say, Brady's last year. I would think it's going to be Brady's last year, but hell, I don't know. Maybe it's not. I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an invalid riser it's just tough to gauge because why hasn't he signed yet is he just out partying just having a great time Not yeah, really ready. i think it's uh so michael strahan did something very similar in his last season where he decided he wanted to play but what he decided to do was to skip every off-season activity and he actually even skipped the mandatory minicamp part and signed his contract like I don't know, 10 days before the season started. I, he stayed in shape on his own, all that sort of stuff. And But he was like, you know what? I've done everything. 
I don't want to be put through the rigors of two a days. I don't want to be baking in the sun. I want to, you know, smash beers and and lift weights on my own time and and whatever, right? And he has been marching to the beat of his own drum for a long time now. I mean, he retired so he wouldn't get traded to the Detroit Lions, lest we forget. Like, he does what he wants. And I just don't think he he wants to uh, do another grueling offseason, be in a certain city when the team tells him to. And guess what? They can't tell him what to do until he puts pen to paper. So... I, that's one person's opinion. I think he's there. I think it's it's a it's a ninety plus percent likelihood he's there. It's just a matter of of when, not if. So to me, I like it. He's a clear stock up now. Stock down. I don't know if you're going with a position player because you mentioned Brady it would be brought up later in the episode. To me, and I'll just roll into it. Tom Brady was my stock down guy. Wow. So it's a little, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. But um, look, he's the GOAT. So it's not going to surprise me if he finds a way. But, and I, I mean, I'm a diehard New England fan, so it pains me to, to, to write him as a, as a stock down. But, I mean, year over year, can we really argue that? We were just talking about the weapons. We were talking about how, why Mike Evans is a, is a one, why Tom... Tom Brady's number one, why Gronkowski has a path to be the number two. That's because the weapons have gotten worse year over year. Antonio Brown walked off. He's not coming back. Chris Godwin is is going to be a question mark. Until we know more, he's a question mark. We can't depend on him. If you're gauging a stock now on potential future return, you can't factor in Godwin as strongly as you would you know, before week 15 happened last year for Tom Brady's projection. They brought in Russell Gage. He's a good quality receiver, but he's not Antonio Brown. He's not uh, Chris Godwin. He can't hold the candle to them. And and I, I, I'll take the other side of things. Gronkowski's not on the roster. So again, if we're projecting Tom Brady, how heavily are we going to uh, factor him? Yeah, you got to consider, at least in my equation, a 10% likelihood that he's not there. So year over year, when I look at the weapons, I can't see how anyone can argue that they're better in 2022 than they were in 2021. And Tom Brady is a year older and he waffled a little bit on his commitment. He retired lest we forget he would, he retired. And um, let's see how hard, you know, uh, and how much, this season means to him what what is he trying to do is he trying to 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 win it all is he trying to get the last few records that uh, were out of uh that didn't have his name you know uh etched in stone and and that's the meaning for this season we'll we'll have to see but year over year I I'd find it hard anyone to argue that his stock is better now than it was uh, prior to. So so for me, he was when I was looking through things, and I don't want to pick on Leonard Fournette's June weight versus uh, versus the shape he'll be in in September. I, Brady was the hard choice for me, but I think the right choice. Yeah, I like it. It makes sense. The guy's close closer to fifty than he is for. Lenny's fat. Oh, you're talking Lenny. But, I mean, Lenny's I ain't going to hold it against him. Lenny's going to dominate. But my, my stock down is Chris Godwin. And it's just because he's not, it's just he's not healthy. It's just because he's not healthy. So we know that Chris Godwin is an, is an elite talent. 
He's got all the tools to succeed, but he's not healthy this year, and he still doesn't have a timetable for return. You know. That's tough. That's really tough because we have no idea what to expect. And now I know we already spoke about Russell Gage. He's coming into the offense. I don't expect him to eat into Godwin's targets when he comes back, but right now Gage is going to be the person that gets those Godwin targets. So it's kind of tough to say, hey, Godwin is a top dog right now. Plus, in a dynasty aspect, have you been having a hard time trying to sell the guy because of the injury? I would say yeah, but, I mean, my the primary person that I've tried to sell him to is you. <laughs> and, you and you've been adamant against it. I, I mean, quite honestly, I'd have to look through the trades that I've sent. I haven't included him, I think, to other people. It's mostly been you because... I know. Oh, maybe Noah because I know Noah has an affinity for for Godwin. He's rostered him in a bunch of leagues before. Knows the benefits of having him. Oh, um, I love guy. I love. And I, know, and I and I and I was connecting that same thing. Like, hey, he's helped you in the past. Like, you know what he's capable of. You might want him back on your team. Like, I now am after the rookie draft. I'm feeling flush at wide receiver. Do you want to make a deal work? You want a wide receiver? I want another position. Like, well, let's do something. That I've been having trouble with the people that I've gone to. Yeah. But it's not like I've I've tried every team like, okay, you want Godwin? You want Godwin? No, no, no. And maybe I would. Maybe I would get 11 no's. Um, but based on what I was trying to do with the with the players that I was willing, um, it's it's been hard. Yeah. To- yeah, it makes sense because it's tough. It's tough to want to get an injured player with no timetable for to return and then a suspended player for six games, which really isn't a lot of games. It's yeah. just that that suspended player is also 30 years old. That suspended player that you're alluding to, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. is also the third highest paid wide receiver fell. Yeah, it's crazy. He's a great, I mean, he's great. But back to Godwin. Godwin is an elite talent. Godwin has all the ability to succeed. And my tune will definitely change on him once I know his timetable for return. But I already roster Michael Gallup, who's another guy that's just who knows when he's coming back. He's the clear-cut wide receiver, too, on a very high-powered offense. But just like you trying to deal Godwin, I can't deal Gallup right now because who knows when he's coming back and no one wants to take that risk. So that's why Godwin's stock is down for me right now. It's very funny, though, whereas, like, Jamison Williams, for example, just because he's a rookie who just got mm-hmm. drafted and he's got some shine on him. Same injury, later injury than both of those two guys that we mentioned. And uh, his value is fully what it was of any other rookie, you know, right up there in the top four, I guess, of wide receivers, you know, with London and Olave and Burks. Yeah. You're right. Interesting. It's interesting. It is interesting. Everyone yeah. likes the shiny new toys. That's. All right, so that's a wrap. That's that's NFC South, stock up, stock down. I think we killed it. I think we did very, very well. All right, so we'll wrap up the show. This, this is honestly one of my favorite things to do. I love trade breakdowns, right? I, I love analyzing trades and how they've aged. We're going to look at trades from the past week, so the aging aspect isn't there, but these are from our Superflex Dynasty. These are real trades that happened in our league, and it gives the listeners a chance to understand how, in a league of very knowledgeable people, how certain commodities are being valued. It's important to know Superflex, 
tight end premium. We start three wide receivers, two running backs, uh, and we have a 15-person bench, 25 roster spot. So with those things in mind, we had a flurry of QB activity over the past seven days, people trying to get their QB3, in some cases their their QB2. We were talking about Sam Darnold. One guy was rostering Sam Darnold as his QB2, also had Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, He wanted to make a move, so he went out and uh, traded Evan Ingram, Romeo Dubes, a 2025 first and a 2025 second for Davis Mills and LaVisca Chanel after Chanel got announced as, hey, this guy's going to be returning kicks. So the guy moved a 2025 first, second, Ingram, and Dubes essentially for Davis Mills. That, That... that surprised me. That's a good haul for Davis Mills, who I think might ha- have no job at the end of the 2022 season. What What did you think of that trade, uh, Turtle? And if you were in similar shoes, would you have anteed up and said, hey, I need a... I, I'm worried about 2022, man. I can't worry about 2025 and make a similar trade. You tell me. So the way that the gentleman's team is constructed made it so that he very much needed a surefire quarterback that's going to be starting on it. So for that reason, yes, I think Davis Mills is considered a one-year loan type player. I don't think he's going to have much more than that with this new quarterback class that's coming in in 2023. And the Texans likely to pick high. Exactly. But the way that the team is constructed, he is in a completely win-now mode, and he only had one usable quarterback. So this gives him at least a second usable quarterback. So for that reason, I think it was a smart trade for him, even though he lost the draft capital. But if you go look at, yeah, I think you got to take sometimes what the league is giving you. And that might be, you got a player take Chris Godwin. And if you're really trying to move him off your roster, sometimes you need to take the going price in your league. And if you're not happy with that, then you have to sit on him and wait for the stock to rebound. This guy, the going rate of a super flex guaranteed starting quarterback in 2022 is going to be expensive. So he looked Not for you, Matt. He looked around the league and he said, well, maybe he's just not as good a negotiated turtle. He looked around the league and he said, you know what? I need a QB and there's no sellers. There's absolutely no sellers. So what what am I going to do? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to pay what the guy's asking me and I'm going to try to get as much off of that asking price as possible, but at the end of the day, you're bargaining from a position of zero leverage. You had no yeah. leverage in the situation. You are a total consumer. So the guy who did the trade traded away Mills then went on to secure his quarterback room cuz he had drafted Kenny Pickett as as his QB3. And rumors were coming out of camp that it looked like it's going to be Trubisky's job firmly. So he went out and he received Mitchell Trubisky, a 2024 and a 2025 second round pick. So he got two seconds and Trubisky for essentially what boils down to a 2024 first round pick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he gave up a first, got two seconds back, and he got Trubisky, which is. Possibly a very short-term rental. We'll see if he finishes out the season. But he looked at his quarterback room as well and said, I want to lock up a QB3 here. Trubisky seems to be it. 
If I have Trubisky and Pickett, then I knew at least. I know at least between them, I have a third quarterback. No matter when the benching, the possibly inevitable benching takes place at some. Now, what did you think of that one? Because in return, he did he did get more second round picks as well as the starter for that 2024 first. Yeah, I mean, he's a type of guy that didn't even need to really secure that third quarterback since he already had Pickett. I don't think it was necessary since he already has Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, but it was a smart play by him. I mean, when you really break it down, it wasn't like he gave up too much. I think he just moved back a couple of picks as far as draft capital. So yeah. I think it was, I think it was, it was smart. I mean, the, the guy who's sending out all these QBs is just, he's just liberally throwing out quarterbacks because he's in complete rebuild mode. So just taking picks. He's taking picks, and he's actually smart for doing it. I wish he would take earlier picks instead of these late 24, 2025 picks that you will not recoup any sort of value on for years. But at that point, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Again, you're sometimes, even if you're a seller, if it's you got to take what the market's giving you or stand pat. So yep. that's rolling in to the last QB trade. Um, I myself was involved with one trying to get a QB3. I did not have one on the roster, not even one who had a chance at a job like a, a Ritter or a builder or that level. Just just was riding naked to QB. When I got Jared Goff, I think he'll have a job this year. Former 101 overall pick, possibly multiple years if he does well with the new weapons that he's been given. Don't know that I necessarily take that bet long term, but I, I think I got a third QB for this year. Uh, I moved Anthony Schwartz, a.k.a. the new Will Fuller, in, and two future uh, second-round picks. So, And Schwartz for Goff. When were those picks? Are they both 2025 picks? They were both 25s. That is crazy. So, so I mean, essentially, you got Goff for Anthony Schwartz. And two second-round picks. Yes, the whole NFL could literally fold by 2025. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, so, yeah, I mean. So that's why I'm saying you basically traded Schwartz for Goff because 2025 uh, is so far away. We could have an alien moon. invasion come through and just decimate our planet. Like, I mean, let's be real here. The Earth could spin off its axis. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, I I don't view it that way. I view myself I know. as now in mode that I need to go find a way to get 2025 capital uh, at some point, uh, I might kick that can, but I'm going to be in the in the mode at some point in the next two years where I'm like, well, I'm a little bit barren. I don't have a first. I did trade that for uh, a player. I traded my two, I had two seconds. I traded that for a player. I'm down to thirds and fourths and fifths. Anyways, last trade, and this was the big one over the past few weeks. Uh, Antonio Gibson and CD Lamb for DK Metcalf and Travis Etienne Turtle. You were involved with that one. Why don't you give us your thoughts as to what compelled you to make that trade? Yeah, I mean, the upgrade from DK from DK to CD is extreme in this in this 2020 season because it's you got Dak throwing to you or you got Gino or Drew Locke throwing to you. So I went and I said, "Let me get Dak, which is a high-powered offense." As my wide receiver, one slash two. I don't know if Tyreek Hill is a wide receiver, two. But I have Tyreek, and now I have CD. So I was excited to make that move. Etienne, I was very scared to move because there's so much hype around him this year. 
Um, but as soon as I saw that James Robinson was already running around, that was when I was like, all right, let me just see what I can do here. So I upgraded fully at wide receiver. I think I broke even at running back. So overall, I was happy with it because I, 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 there's too much Gibson slander going on. Like I understand that the guy, <laughs> he, I understand that the guy is is banged up. But I mean, he finished as RB twelve on a literal mangled ankle last year. So like, if he can get healthy, like I don't see why they wouldn't give him the work. I just don't yeah. see why they wouldn't. Yeah, he's he's known around the league as Turf Toe Gibby, Shin Gibby, now it's <laughs> now it's the hammy. Now it's the Hamstring Gibby. I understand, man, he's banged up, but I, I was actually I was just to, to, to uh change my tune here, I was actually very upset yesterday because I had an absolute gem of a deal for both parties about to go through. It was being it was being it was being uh reviewed by another guy in our league and then he saw that the little twinge twinge when i say twinge i'm talking a hamstring twinge where gibson was literally practicing on the side by himself because obviously they don't want to risk bigger injury that is what made me not get the deal done and i was pretty upset about it and you were unwilling I, I don't know. What, I know. I was, There was nothing that I could do. He, did he they was, come back and say, ah, you know, throw no, a third-round nope, pick and nope, we'll call it even? Nope, nope, Just he saw the hem, hamstring twinge, and he just ran for the hills. That's ran. weird. I mean, that to me is a little weird. That's uh, that's extremely short-term thinking. We're in- and the craziest part is the guy that I was going to get is coming off of a massive injury. We don't need to say who it is, but you can figure it out, I'm sure. Was it? We don't need. We don't need to. Was we it won't play. Achilles injury. We. <laughs> it was. Okay. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, my take on this, and then we'll wrap. Um, CD Lamb to me, representative in our ranks, representative in our tier system, our trading. He's the most valuable person from a dynasty perspective. The way I look at a trade is if I am giving up the most valuable person. I expect a premium to be paid. Yeah, I don't expect a fair trade. I don't say, oh, yeah, this guy's worth this and this guy's worth this, so I'm giving you two guys in the middle because one was higher and one was lower from the side. No, it's like, no, I'm giving up the best player. you got to pay a premium. Likewise, if I'm buying, I expect to do the same. So, Turtle, you were the buyer of the best player here, and you paid a little bit of a premium. Uh, possibly when people look at DK and see, you know, they're both big names. CD's better. CD has a higher ceiling this year and then we'll see what the heck happens next year but guess what it is the hardest thing in football to replace a quarterback a franchise quarterback there are teams that have been trying to do that for two plus decades to replace a quarterback go talk to cleveland go talk to so many teams people think that oh seattle's just going to be an awful team there'll be a better quarterback there next year dk is going to bounce back he's going to sign no, dude, that's not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't. These big QBs, these big names, they could be bust at the NFL level. They could be bust this season in the collegiate level. Uh, we see it time after time. Spencer Rattler, help me with the the guy from UNC who's now um, um, Sam Howell. Sam Howell. I, these guys were one hundred and one, and now they're undrafted, returning to the to the collegiate ranks or for, fourth round or later picks. Quarterback's the hardest position in our fun little game within a game that we play to predict. 
It's also the hardest position for NFL GMs to evaluate and talent scouts to evaluate. They spend millions upon millions of dollars trying to do it, and they get it wrong all the time. Yep. So to me, the linkage of CD to Dak is maybe maybe DK is the superior talent in a vacuum. The guy's a physical, mm-hmm. but give me the guy with the QB every day and twice on Sunday. And to get that security, you need to pay for it. And and you and and you 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 traded potentially what people view as a as a better uh, running back for Gibson. Right, yep. because one one hype is going one way, one hype's going the other way. You know how I feel about ETN. I'm scared to death of the injury. I saw James Robinson coming back. I, I I'm treating this year as ETN as a rookie year, which means rookies don't really do all that great it, by and large. Uh, we've seen some great performances recently, but by and large, they don't produce at a high level. So. I texted you this morning on this, actually, and I wasn't even planning to uh, work this segment in. Uh, it just randomly happened as we were talking about the schedule. I, the more and more I look at this trade, the more and more I like it, because guess what? I like the side getting the best player in this deal, and that, and that to me, is C.D. Lamb. So I'm not trying to, to make up any ground here, Turtle. I still hate the Watson trade. I gave you a lot of shit about it. I'm not trying to get brownie points. True-to-life fact. I, I like your side much, much more on this deal. Uh, the more yeah, I, it, so. I hated the Watson trade, too, as soon as I pulled the trigger. That was uh, idiotic, I guess, is the only way to describe it. But we shall see, man. We shall see. Nothing's written in stone. Okay. Nothing's written in stone. So anything else to wrap up before we sign off for the day? All set, man. Great show. All right, Turtle. Thank you. Uh, And for Turtle and myself, thanks to the listeners. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. See you later.